Hello and welcome to Barren Not Broken. This is your host, Bonnie Ruth, and I'm so excited for season three, episode four with my friend Vivian. In part one of this two-part series, she shares with us her journey with secondary infertility. Vivian is real and honest with us as she shares how she's navigated this within her marriage, her friendships, and within her own heart. I hope you'll engage and lean in as we can learn some practical tips from Vivian. And welcome to Bear and Not Broken. I'm so excited for today's episode with my friend Vivian. I'm excited for you to hear her story and to be able to take away and connect with her exactly what you need in your own story. And so, Vivian, thank you so much for being here. I'm excited to have you. And tell us a little bit about who you are. Okay, first we'll say this. So we met, we met at uh, we were both working at the same place in the same department, and what we both worked there for together for what a year and a half. I think that's about right. About a year and a half, yeah. And so that's yeah. how we met, and then we have mut- lots of mutual friends, and um, just have walked some similar things in our story since being both of us being married and. Um, I am excited for the listeners. I want to tell them why I'm so excited to have you today before you share your story. I'm excited because one, I love your honesty and your willingness to say things that others might not say, but you do it in a humble way and you do it in a, a place from your own experience, but you also do it in a way that I, at least how I receive it is from a place of like, hey, there might be another perspective. Like, Mm -hmm. I just feel like you are a woman that, and I remember this even back working together, like you might see things or have a perspective or a vantage point that others might not. And I appreciate how you approach speaking that. Um, Even if it's not always received, um, you have a way of just, I have another vantage point. Are you open to hearing it? And so I hope that listeners today will be um, preparing their hearts and their minds to maybe receive from another vantage point. And so that's kind of what I'm excited about. So tell us a little bit about you. Oh, thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Like, I love what you're doing. And I'm praying that someone is encouraged by our conversation. Um, So I'm Vivian. (laughs) Vivian Smith. Um, (laughs) Okay, so I always I always start my story with my husband and I have been married for almost seven years now. Wow, that's so crazy. And time flies. Remember we were, yeah, we were in the office and that's where I met my husband. So I was single, I think, when I met you and knew yeah. you. And then my hubby came along. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I mean, romance. I know. Break. We call it break room romance because we actually met the break room. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that. That's so yeah. funny. I asked him, I said, have you seen a little black spatula? And then he actually found it. And That is awesome. The rest spatula, of it. Spatula romance. <laughs> yeah. You remember Lee? He, yeah. he and Penny got us like a spatula set for our, oh, that's our awesome. wedding. It was so cute. But so yes. Cute. So that's where I've been my husband. And so we've been married almost seven years, um, about a 
year or so into our marriage, we were like, okay, ready to try having kids. And I already got married late in the game, some would call it, especially in Texas. I'm originally from California. So in California, we wait till the the end of the days. (laughs) (laughs) You're like last second. (laughs) Yeah. In Texas, like I'm 19 and I'm engaged. I'm like, what? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So anyway, I got married at 36. Okay. And when we were talking about having kids, we were going to try about a year and a half in. So I went to my OB, who was amazing. By the way, she moved to New York. I'm really sad. Um, That is horrible when you have a doctor you love. Oh, and you lose them. That's the worst. All right, an OB, no less. Yes, okay. no, yes. You have yeah. to come back. I feel you. I feel you on that one. <laughs> yeah. But um, so I went to her. She literally gave us a plan, and on the first try, we got pregnant. Wow. And and it was like, okay, we're doing this. And so I was, yeah. I, I guess I was thirty-seven then, because I had our son, who is now four. I had him when I was thirty-eight. And it was just like a breeze. It was a perfect pregnancy. Everything was good. He was born four weeks early, though, because my placenta was detaching. And she wanted to get him out early. And But even that went well. It was just smooth. Yeah. Um, So all that was was good. And we raised our son. (laughs) And, you know, I was just like, okay, let my body heal. Let, you yeah. know, let's get some time in between. Um, and so, flash forward to uh, probably about, let's see, we've been married seven years, and then we had a baby. Okay, so, <laughs> right, and miles is four. Ah, so, basically, now, today, we've been trying for three years okay. to have our second child. Okay. And the first time we started the journey of baby number two. Yeah. We're just like, okay, I'm going to text my old OB. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I'm like seeing her pictures of our son and us and like, she's so excited for us. And she's like, don't worry, try to stick to the same plan. Yeah. And if it doesn't happen after a year, look into it. Um, and so that started happening where we weren't getting pregnant after yeah. a year and then I, I, I honestly didn't really know what to do. I found a new OB and I've, I think I've actually, I'm on my fourth OB. Um, Girl, I, I feel that. Yeah. Oh. Since, since she left, I'm like, can you, can you just come can back just for like that? a year or two? <laughs> oh. um, but, um, and so after kind of getting settled with an OB, we looked more into um, fertility and fertility things that we wanted to talk about and that I wanted to look into. And so yeah. um, one of the, one of the things that I've been trying to do is just make sure I'm good physically, yeah. emotionally and everything before I really start to worry about, okay, infertility. But um, as I was talking more with the OB that I got settled with, she was thinking that there may be something going on. And so we, we did blood work. Um, we did a lot of, a lot of tests where everything was normal. Um, 
eight counts and all of that stuff. Yeah. And um, it just, you know, it still wasn't happening with the blood work. Okay. Then they wanted to look into other things like, yeah. could there be something blocking or are my, t- you know, tubes blo- closed? Yeah. And so yeah. I had the um, hysteroscopy. Wait, no. HSG. Yeah. That's- oh, okay. Yep. The HSG. Where they go in and see if your tubes are closed, they're open. Um, um, they went in to see if there was a polyp. Mm. And that's kind of a long story. Yeah, we'll come back around to that. We'll come back around there. We'll, yeah. we'll come back to that. And so going through all these things, we eventually decided that we're going to ch- try to do IUI or IVF. Okay. And so more testing, more blood work, yeah. getting settled with a fertility specialist, um, kind of repeat procedures and, and ultimately still kind of in the process of that because we haven't started the IUI okay. process yet, just because there's so many other tests that the fertility specialist wants me to to do yeah. before we go into that, yeah. um, just to make sure all the numbers are where they need to be. Yeah. Um, so, so tell me, tell me real quick in in this first part of the process, like you know, your first one easy schmeezy, like you're like, yes, this is how it's going to be, and you've started now trying for the second one. How how did you handle like that first mo- that first year? Of like not getting pregnant like what was yours and your hubs like first conversation like this isn't working my first my first thought in conversation with weston was like you know i am getting kind of old <laughs> <laughs> like what I'm did he say old. to that <laughs> and he was like, like putting a husband in a nightmare moment like what do i say to that <laughs> Okay, so it was really good because he's like, oh, wow, I, for- I always forget how big of a difference our age is. I always feel like okay. you're so much younger. It was a perfect response. <laughs> Way to go, Weston. Way to go. Yeah. I said thumbs up on that one. <laughs> yeah, he did so good. Um, which, honestly, I always feel so, I feel so young. Really, I do. I guess we all feel that way, right? Yeah. <laughs> As we get older, Until it's like... we see, like, like for me and Jason the other day, we were with someone, and we I used to babysit them, and they have kids. Oh. And I was like, wow. Perspective. Okay. Yeah. I was like, and I'm in my 40s. Wow. <laughs> like, what is happening right now? So, yes. You feel yeah. young until something reminds you. You're not. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So he, he did it real good and was like, you're forever young, boo. <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> um, however, that was the first thing I thought of. And I mean, because I hear it all the time, you know, oh, when you yeah. get to this age, you've got to start. Right. I don't know. Freezing eggs and. Yeah. Um, all these things that they yeah. put. Put, our culture puts in a box yeah exactly exactly so that was the first conversation and then then Weston is really good because he quickly helps me like refocus and he's like well maybe it's just not the right timing that the Lord has for us and so yeah. um we we just kept trying and yeah. we kept trying and kept trying and yeah um 
Yeah. And it's just been a journey that's been honestly getting harder. Um, One of the other conversations um, was just not only on my side of looking into the medical things, but on his side. Yeah. Um, And there were some things found that supplementation probably could help for him. Yeah. Um, But not anything like alarming. So, you know, so we're both trying to make sure we're physically. Yeah. Okay. For it. But then I started to get into a mental space of just like, maybe my body's just done. Mm. Or maybe, maybe, maybe I can do this. And then, you know, it's just kind of hard, I think with, um, not so much friends, but family. I have the most supportive friends ever. Um, and family as well. Um, but yeah. you know, there's like a generation that are kind of more old school where they're like, don't yeah. do it. It'll be bad. And you know, it'll be like, yeah. I've literally had a family member say, Hey, if you're not getting pregnant, maybe it's a sign not to do it. Cause it might not be good. It might not be wow. bad having another child. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. Um, so just processing and filtering yeah. opinions. Yeah. Um, so really, I've just been trying to, you know, journey on, journey through, kind of just keeping a focus more on, are we okay? What is the Lord saying? And I mean, of course, trying to increase my faith on a yeah. weekly basis. Yeah. But honestly, I don't even know how to do that anymore, other than just yeah. what I've been doing. Like, yes, I have faith, um, yeah. you know, and just like, but what am I supposed to do next? Yeah. Um, and so that's kind well, of what we're doing. Let's hone in on that, that, but before we do go into the faith conversation, I want to ask something really quickly. I always think like every couple handles this differently and I did not put this on our list. So um, go there with me if you want to, but I think it's always helpful to hear like, okay, when you say like, we're working to make sure we're good and individually and as a couple, what does that look like for you and Weston? Kind of how have you guys, you know, in a bullet pointed format, how do you guys kind of approach that? And what's the one thing that you would share with with couples listening um, that might help them? I feel like what's helped us most is communicating our feelings about the situation, honestly, and yeah with one another yeah Um, because it's just so important to not hide yeah um I mean it's bad enough this is my opinion it's bad enough that I feel like I have to in a way like hide things not hide like from like the public but just like I'm not sharing every single detail (laughs) but I am gonna need to and want to share every little detail with my husband and and process with him process with each other and then there there that turns into honest conversations about okay how many children do you still want (laughs) yeah that's real I think that Yeah. yeah exactly like I think when you go through something like this as a couple whether it's one year or five years or like us, you know, 20 years of navigating things around this topic. It's like, I think you have to be open to having those real moments of like, okay, where are we actually right now? 
are we are we still in this like do we still even want this and if we do great if we don't that's okay you know and yeah because i i think and correct me if if you think this isn't true for you guys but i think as couples when we're navigating whether you know it's second secondary infertility or not because i do want to caveat here i don't care if it's secondary or not when you're oh, going through something like this, I mean, we're both going to get on a soapbox right now, aren't we? Yes. I'm like, let me adjust my seat. Hold on. Yes. Hold on. Let's get into it. <laughs> we, can, we totally can. But it's like, it's painful. It's navigating layers upon layers upon layers. It's navigating your own individual stories. Then your story as a couple the physical pain, the emotional pain, then you add this faith thing in there. It's like, it's so many layers. And I feel like, um, honestly, if you as a couple aren't having those honest conversations, then you are navigating this with some gaps. And so hearing you share that, I hope people are taking that in of processing together is what you said and then honest conversations and I think those are two things that will help some people out there listening of if you aren't processing together then are you really in this together and then if you're not having honest conversations do you guys know where you're going what's what's the focus um because these are not these kind of tests you mentioned lots of tests lots of tests lots of when you're going through that stuff, like, I'm sorry, you better have a direction together because that is some heavy, difficult shit that, like, <laughs> most people don't, will never understand. Yeah. And, I mean, I'm sorry, Vivian, I love Jesus, but I cuss a little. It's like, <laughs> it's like, come on, like, you can't have those kinds of things that you're navigating and do it separately. And so I really hope that people will hone in on that processing together and having the hard conversations together and really asking like what you just said, do we still want this? You know, mm -hmm. and it's okay. I don't, I think sometimes we think we're like jinxing ourselves. If we ask something like that, like, Oh, I can't put that out there. You know, like, <laughs> of course we want this, but do you, right. you know? And so even though, you know, currently that seems to be a yes for you guys, Mm -hmm. um if it's a no that's okay too and it's kind of being able to settle in you know there were times where for jace and i it was a no in that moment did we pick things back up and we re-entered the process yeah but there were times where we were like okay we gotta stop for a minute we gotta pause because we weren't okay mm -hmm. i wasn't okay and so i think it's realizing pauses don't mean you're giving up right you know so yeah, exactly. okay, go, right. go on your so, soapbox. We yeah. yeah, and we were always communicating effectively. Right. <laughs> Sometimes I mean, who knows how to communicate? Mediator. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> counselor, 911 yeah. counselor. <laughs> counselor, 911. No, but uh, we definitely um, are finding more of a rhythm in... Good. In our communication, I think that's any marriage where you just yes. you learn ways, to, better ways to communicate as you grow as individuals, yes. as your marriage grows, yep. and it is yes. it takes a different dance as you get mm. more into it. <laughs> I like that. It takes a different dance. You learn new dances along the way. <laughs> I learn them dance moves. <laughs> uh, okay. 
we're gonna we're gonna go into I wanna go back to your soapbox real quick of secondary infertility. Oh. Yeah, let's go there and then I wanna dive into talking about how you've navigated this with your faith. So start with your soapbox, okay. girl. Then, then we'll go in and get some Jesus because you might need it after yes. your soapbox. So, yeah, we got to need Jesus after this soapbox. I'm going to need constant Jesus, but more so. More after Jesus, yeah. Okay, so this is literally probably one of the main things I come up against. There's so many. There's so many things we come up against. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, we push up against, but the, uh, the fact that I already have a child. Mm. There's literally people who have said, "Well, you've got one. That's good." Mm. And I'm like, I I have to hold my tongue <laughs> sometimes. Well, I'm sure you do. Or or I say, yes, but there's still what the Lord has spoken to us. So we lean more into that. Yeah. That's and then I twist my eye twitches and then I, <laughs> and then, uh, I try not to go off, but, um, yeah. but it's, oh. it's a thing. Like, I mean, I, sometimes I'd get into that space of like, are they right? I mean, we already have one mm. or he's already such a blessing. Like, should we just yeah. stop? Because that's what, um, but mm. no, no, I yeah. believe that I believe that the God we serve is the same God that he yeah. yesterday, today, forevermore. He could do, he could do it. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. it's not just that it's like, okay, what do I, what, am, what do I need to do to, yeah. to, I don't know, to keep my focus. Right. Yeah. And to um, keep, keep the main thing, the main thing, but I, yeah. I, I've, I've almost, I don't know if it's shame. I think I've just felt, like mm. how dare I mm. you know sometimes or I feel like we're like how dare you like even like you have a child I don't have a child uh, you, or you know yeah. or I can yeah. never, I can never have one yeah like yeah I, yeah. yeah girl I don't I don't understand um I think sometimes people feel as though they can enter the space in our world in which they don't have daily access to like if you if you're in that space and you want to have an honest conversation with someone that you have you have to be invited into um those mm. kinds of conversations and sadly in our culture today we don't we don't wait for permission to interject what we think or our opinions and a lot of times we ask questions but stating an opinion and mm -hmm. it breaks my heart to think that you or anyone in your situation of secondary infertility would feel a moment of shame in that, um, wanting to experience that again and to become a mom of a second child, a third child, a fourth, whatever it might be, um, and to feel as though you can't be real about the pain that you're walking through. And so I'm sorry that you've experienced right. that because genuinely you know, it, it, we say in this community, no matter the barren places in our life, we don't have to live broken. Um, and we say that because the reality is there can be broken places in so many different parts of our story. And the brokenness isn't always necessarily that we've done something bad. It's something that we're experiencing in our lives that is 
it's hard and it breaks my heart that others would try to put us in that box of being broken and that's not the truth you know so um yeah I I get fired up for you I get fired up for anyone who enters space that they're not invited in you know and even if they mean well thank you for yeah you know well-meaning well-meaning questions can fire me up in like five seconds so (laughs) you know I I think I saw something you posted to just read the caption and it was about oh yeah oh you still just have one yeah yeah I'm still working on that second one yeah I I literally had someone say to me oh man it's been four years probably not gonna have one oh oh my god and and, uh, mind you this was someone who had no clue what I had been walking through and which and so again, like just yeah. don't say anything just don't say anything you don't know me like that don't even go there no yeah. and even if they did like new friend new friend <laughs> like true oh yeah. god um, yeah that's I feel like that could be its own podcast of like stupid crap that people true. say to us and we have to figure out how to navigate it like there have been times where I've handled it with Jesus and then other times where I needed Jesus afterwards. Like I had to totally be like, Oh dang, oh, yeah. that was not good. And, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Repentance needed. But even like, you know, where we are right now, I, I, I told Jason the other day, I'm like, have you noticed like not many people have asked like if we're having kids, like we're kind of getting, I'm like, I don't know if it's the gray hair coming in, but like most people, we have dealt with that our entire, we just celebrated 22 years. And it's like, we get asked that all the time. Like, thank you. Uh, mm-hmm. We get asked all the time, like, oh, do you have kids? Like this and that. I don't know if I send off a radar now or what, but it's been a little while since I've been asked. Um, but typically, like, I try so hard to remember not to ask someone if they have children. I always ask, tell yeah. me about your family. Because I don't know where people are, even like if it's a single person and they're not dating someone or they don't even want to get married or they do want to get married and they're, they just broke up. I don't know what people are going through. So I think that's mm-hmm. a really key thing that you're sharing. Like, just don't ask the questions or make the statements, you know, like just, just don't people just don't. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and I, I love your question. Tell me about mm-hmm. your family. Yeah, it's it's yeah. the most like to me that's even or if you're saying can you tell me about your family or tell me about, it's it's yeah. it's the asking permission to me it feels yeah. like you're asking permission like what would you like to share exactly um, yeah so, yeah that's good that's yeah, really good I love that. well let's let's transition into okay um you navigating infertility one I want to address that as a black woman. And as a black woman and a a believer, how do you handle that? How do you navigate um, that space in which um, I I am not, I am not navigating it the same way you are. And so I want to, I want to hear from you on how you have handled, to me, the faith piece is, is so personal. Um, and so 
how have you handled that space with what you're walking through? How, what Weston's walking through? The faith piece and the, so being a um, Christian, believing in Jesus, following Jesus, while also walking through inf- infertility for mm-hmm. the both of us feels very, I think for me, feels like jar- jarring yeah. sometimes. Yeah. Um, like you're on a roller coaster that literally jars. Yeah. Uh, like you're like to the ground in like where you're at and then you're like, Oh, but, but Lord, you're like, you're picking me up and oh, okay. It's going to be okay. And then you're like, you're down again and then you're up and you, so yes, I think a roller coaster is a great way to describe it. Um, if, if you don't mind, if I, I could talk about just being a black woman yeah, in it first. Yeah. Cause I think, after talking about that and then being reminded about what the Lord's doing can take me back into yeah. being a Christian walking through yes. this. Um, or I guess it doesn't matter, right? I can talk about you share. First. You share. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, let's talk about being a black woman and infertility. Um, I mean, I'll tell you right now. And when I think of my family and I, I mean, all the black women I've known, they're just kind of like, we don't, we don't, we don't do like infertility, uh, like IVF or IUI. Like that's that's something we do. Mm. And for me, I feel like it's like a condition, not Mm. like physical condition, but like mentally we have been like conditioned Mm. Um, over time, I feel like, because, I mean, if you go back to back in the day, back when slavery was happening, um, sharecropping, all these things, um, back in slavery, like we were like black people, black women were forced to have more children to help and the, the yeah. plantations. So when I think about how it was a control thing back then, we're oh, having babies, having babies for the, the slave master and the yeah. owner of the planet, like having more babies too for an agenda. Mm-hmm. And then later in, in history, you see, okay, now we got to start controlling mm-hmm. the, the reproduction of, okay, we've got, too many black people. Um, and I'm just kind of throwing this out loosely. I'm not like giving uh, actual accounts of it, but yeah. there are accounts of, um, of black women yeah. and black men being sterilized without, yeah. know- without knowing it um, or without permissioning women- it. That's, I think that's a huge piece without permissioning it. Yeah. Yes. I mean, and there's documented accounts of um, women going to, to get a simple procedure and getting their uterus taken out. There's yeah. an instance in 1961 where that happened um, oh. to a woman who was just going to get a hysterectomy or no, getting her, um, getting 
getting fibroid tumors removed, but mm. her uterus was taken out. Uh-huh. Uh, and so I see all these things and I think about the history and then I immediately go to, well, of course, like black women feel a certain way about IUI and IVF. Yeah. Like yeah. In, in my head, I can tell you it's a hard thing to process when over history and time I've seen systems that are set up for yeah. The control of yeah. the population yeah. of African people. And so yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a hard thing to process for me. Um, and I think it's also uh, makes it hard to trust yeah. doctors. And like if, you know, I've told you I've, I'm on my fourth OB, OB doctor. Yeah. Um, and some of the things that I find myself looking for is, is there a representation in the offices, not just as a receptionist, but uh, are yes. there technicians in there that are, you know, are, is, do we have any, any, any color in the room? Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, and that's, and I'm not only just talking about black women at this point, like I want to yeah. see that exactly. there's a, a mixture of culture in there. Yeah. Um, yep. And that's that's one of the things that I, that I look for. But it's it's another thing that I come up against as far as trusting the doctors and what's yeah. going on. And I'll tell you an example that I had for myself. Yeah. Um, one of the recent OBs that well, actually, I have two. I have two examples. Um, mm. I'm trying to think of what to share here. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So when my perfect OB moved to New York, <laughs> we're just we're just gonna have a moment for that because I know I know I'm just when she went to New York, she uh, sold her practice, and okay. I just went with she sold her practice too. Okay. Well, after our son was born, like I was having like pain, mm-hmm. um, you know, just kind of around the incision, and then like painful intercourse too at yeah. some point. And so it was like, she's like, yeah, sometimes that happens. Okay. The end. Wow. <laughs> the end. The end. That is all she said. Yeah. Um, like, okay. Is there anything I, I did ask? I thought I said, is there anything I can do to like help with like, just kind of yeah. recouping or, you know, kind of yeah. therapy or anything. Yeah, she's like, well, honestly, she didn't give me anything. She was just kind wow. of like, well, you know, sometimes it just goes away. I mean, after looking into it, I know that's not the answer. I mean, there's yeah. pelvic floor therapy. Yeah, there's, there's all kinds of things that we can do to yeah. help with better help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that was one. I mean, I don't know what it had to do with why I got that type of response. Yeah. But in my mind, it auto- my mind will automatically go to. Yeah. Is this because I'm, is this because I'm black? You're not actually right. giving me the, the yeah. resources and tools that I actually yeah. need to my health. Yeah. Um, and so yeah. after that, I found another OB who seemed really great. Um, got a lot of, 
a lot of people recommended the the place. I, um, but as I started to go through my um, infertility, like looking through what procedures to do, looking at all the tests I should take. Yeah. Well, she recommended I do a saline sonogram to kind of see what's in there um, before doing another procedure that would basically clear out everything. Yeah. She called it clear out the cobwebs. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyway. What a visual. Thank you for joining us today on episode four. What an impactful story from Vivian. I cannot wait for you to hear part two of our conversation. Remember, no matter the barren places in our lives, we do not have to live broken.